What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. everybody to another episode of speaking of murder welcome to the new listeners and uh real quick i just want to throw this out there at the beginning um you should go check out our other podcasts speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings especially if you like this show check those out it's us doing a lot of the same stuff just different cases but today's story i believe shauna is telling us today's story right correct Right on. Really go check out Speaking of Hauntings. It's my favorite. It's really good. I like the missing persons. Samantha has no opinion. Nope. <laughs> I would like it if this room was warmer. Hey, I turned off the fan. Okay, that's as good as it gets. I'm sweating. Exactly. <laughs> Same. I'm comfortable. I can't help it. <laughs> I freeze to death. All right, Shauna, what are we talking about? We're talking about a woman named Linda Sherman. Okay. All right. Is it is it it. weird that the first thing that pops into my head is Peabody and Sherman? No, I think that's like a. I mean, (laughs) as soon as I thing to happen when you hear the name Sherman, right? It's not a very common thing. It's the first thing that pops into my head. So Linda Sherman. I've only known one person in my lifetime with the name Sherman. Hmm. I don't think I've known anyone. That tells you how uncommon it is. Sherm. Yeah. What would be the short for Sherman? Direct. I don't think I don't think there no. is one. You have to play the name game in order to get the shortened versions of names. That's how Richard became Dick. What's wait a minute, the name game, how does that work? It, wait, how did they get Dick out of Sherman Sherman Mo Merman? <laughs> no. <laughs> because in the name game, Richard got turned into Rick, which or Rich, which got turned into Rick, but then got turned into Dick in the name game. So that is why the name Richard gets shortened to Dick because of the name game. Same with William being shortened to, to Bill, Bill because William will Bill. Okay. Like you basically play the name game until you get two rhyming words. And that's how a lot of names that don't make sense got so shortened to what they are. Sherman, Merman, Mermaid, Fish? <laughs> no. <laughs> None of that rhymed except for Sherman Merman, and Merman is not a word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fun fun fact, though. That's why Axel Rose changed his name is because he was born William, and he hated the fact that everybody called him Bill. So when he was old enough, he changed his name to Axel, which is, like, completely different. Because I'm sure he wanted a name that couldn't be shortened. Yeah. I do have just one question if we're talking about names. Why do we shorten James to Jimmy when they're the same letter, like same amount? Because of the name game. James, Jim. Yeah, like it. How did J- how did they get James to Jim, though? Don't ask me, but that's how <laughs> a lot of like male 
name, like, look it up. The majority of them got shortened just because of an, the name game, an old game that kids used to play. And then the names just stuck as nicknames. Oh. I mean, that one just like, confuses I thought it was me. an interesting fact. I mean, it it's isn't like really interesting. Robert. Fact. It'd make more sense for James to turn into Amy. James, well, Ames, Amy. Well, well it's just like Robert, Robert, Robbie, Bobby. Oh. Name game aside, let's, let's hear, hear about a murder. About Linda Sherman. Linda Sherman was born in 1957 and grew up in Ferguson, Missouri. She attended McClure High School. Linda was an outgoing and athletic girl. <laughs> my computer, my computer was doing like all kinds of weird ass shit. <laughs> Sarah can vouch. She watched it do all the weird ass shit. <laughs> it did literally just go haywire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It, was, just, it wasn't my fault this time. Just go me. She was. An outgoing girl. Yeah, that's okay. She was a girl. Got it. I swear it wasn't my fault. She was born to Walter and Eleanor Lutz, and she was the youngest of their children. Eleanor was a homemaker, and Walter was a carpenter. Linda's parents were determined to see their children finish high school. But Linda almost shattered that dream when she met Donald Sherman. She got pregnant as a junior in high school by Don. So the two decided to get married. They exchanged vows on February 10th, 1975. Married and pregnant, they both still attended high school. They also rented house next door to Linda's parents. I feel like even in the 70s, it was kind of uncommon to get married that early like married and pregnant in high school no that was pretty common still i feel like that was a normal thing yeah really i don't know i mean i wasn't around in the 70s so i no, can't, but can't tell from experience but we can tell you by our parents who got married in the 80s and were still in high school hmm. well dad was just out of high school right within a few months Don graduated, and during summer break, Linda gave birth to their daughter, Patty. That fall, Linda started her senior year while Eleanor, Eleonora watched Patty. The early years for the couple were difficult. They struggled to raise a child and pay their bills. Linda switched through a couple of different jobs like Sears and key punching at Site Oil Co. before sticking with data entry. While Don worked briefly as an assistant manager at a gas station before becoming a machinist. The Sherman's marriage definitely had its problems. Linda's brother said her husband Don was a very jealous person. He didn't even want her talking to other guys, that is. He returned home once for a visit and said, quote, When we were home, we kind of did things together. He was even jealous of that. I said, this is my sister, and we're going to have lunch together, and he would just have to throw a fit. So wait, he was so what? jealous, he didn't even want her to hang out with her own brother. Yes. Like, he would throw a fit if she was just going to lunch with her own brother. That's disgusting. 
Dude's got some insecurities going on. I was gonna say that's a whole level of like another level of jealousy. Yeah, that's like, her fucking sibling. Yeah. Like chill out, bro. Take some fucking pills, man. It is really weird. Yeah, bro. Bruh. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> As of October 1977, the Shermans were separated. Linda had filed for divorce. She wanted full custody of Patty and wanted to keep their house. Well, no shit. It's right next door to the her parents, and he's a douche. Right, and it makes sense. She never went through with the divorce, so the judge dropped it in 1979 for failure to prosecute. In that year, Linda and Don were officially back together and had bought a new house. By the early 80s, Linda suffered a miscarriage and not long after was diagnosed with epilepsy. Because of all of this, the already struggling couple decided not to have any more children. Within two years, the couple's relationship started to become strained once more. Linda moved her and Patty into an apartment. By September of the same year, Linda was trying to get a restraining order against Don because he had threatened her and Patty. She claimed he had tampered with her car and he would threaten to take his own life, making Linda believe he was mentally unstable. I fucking hate that. I fucking hate that. I hate when people try to use suicide. As a manipulation tactic? Yeah, to manipulate you into feeling bad and staying with them. Yeah, at that point, it's not a relationship. It's a hostage situation. Exactly. And I'm sorry if somebody told me I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. Okay, bye, bitch. Sorry, that's not my responsibility. Like, it really isn't your responsibility. No. No, seek help. You know? Yeah. If that's... Because I'm going to say probably eight times out of ten, they're not going to commit suicide. No. And if they were, even if they were to, that's not on you at that point. No, no it's, it's not. No, it's not your fault. If, really, if they do, they really were mentally unstable yeah. and needed help. Yeah. Don recalls the time with his wife's car and says, the vehicle was in my name. I just disabled it so it couldn't be driven. At the time Linda filed for the restraining order, the judge granted it along with Don having to pay her $20 a week in child support. $20 a week? Yeah, that's $80. $80 a month? Yeah. Yeah, that ain't shit. <laughs> but I mean, that I was mean, in what, the 70s. That was in the 80s. 80s early that would 80s. still seem like not shit for the 80s. Yeah, no. But again... The separation didn't last, and within the month, on October 21st, 1982, Linda was writing a letter to the court that read, Please acknowledge the fact that my husband, Donald E. Sherman, and myself, Linda S. Sherman, are presently working things out. But by spring of 1985, Linda was ready to leave Dawn again. She filed for a divorce on April 11th. Even This, this is crazy. This is like a hot mess relationship. I know. She needs to make up her damn mind. Like, is she just going back and forth because of money, maybe? No, like, I feel like... It, or is it, he just that big of a manipulator? It's probably he's just threatening the shit out of her. I don't know. Like, it could be a mixture of money and abuse. Right. It's hard to tell. 
Like, when somebody is that level of manipulative and, like... Narcissistic? They they just make you believe fucking anything somehow. It's like a weird superpower. I couldn't describe that better. Yeah. A weird superpower. But, yeah, it's completely fucked up. I agree. Even though Linda had filed for a divorce, the courts weren't going to be serving Don the papers for a few weeks. Linda continued to live in the same house as Don. Around this time, Don admits he thought Linda was having an affair because she had started smoking again. She didn't always come home after work, and she wouldn't be home when he called the house during the day. Why the- what- but they're getting a divorce, so none of that shit matters to him. He hadn't been served with the yeah, new he didn't divorce oh, papers okay. yet. He didn't okay. know that they were getting a divorce. Okay. He hadn't been served this time yet, so he wasn't aware of them getting a divorce. Yeah, but it was still, what does it matter? You can't just pick up habits. You can't just go hang out with friends. Yeah, I don't think that her smoking again just automatically means, oh, she must be seeing somebody. No, bitch. You're stressing her the fuck out. Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> that's stress. And you can't just run errands during the day. Like, all of those things could be explained away. And it's his, that's just his words. Right. You don't like, really know what she was doing or if she was doing any of this. Okay. About the time Linda was filing for the divorce, Don said his growing suspicions were confirmed when a truck driver, who was also Don's co-worker, said he saw Linda and her co-worker together. Don claimed that wasn't the first time she had cheated on him either, that when she worked as a waitress at the Flaming Pit, that changed her in some way. Okay, so wait a minute. Her co-worker told Don, no, his his co-worker told Don that he saw her with her co-worker. So that automatically means she's having an affair. Like it can't just mean they had a break at the same time and went and got lunch. I mean, no, not in Don's eyes. Who the heck does that? Lots of people. (laughs) (laughs) You can't go get lunch with your coworkers. I'm pretty much going to tell Erica now that we can't be seen in the same car because somebody's going to think we're having an affair. <laughs> Probably are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well then. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't know, work lunch is code for... Affair. 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 Oh slash afternoon delight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it automatically oh, means, afternoon people. Afternoon delight. I guess no matter if it's the you're with the same sex, opposite sex. Well, me and Sharon no, had it's a just long all running sex. affair. <laughs> it was like a ten ten year affair. Me and Sharon had. Well, me and me and Erica are going. <laughs> I think me and Erica are going on like a five year affair. So <laughs> that's cool. Honestly, we eat lunch together every single day. If we're going to get lunch, one person leaves and comes back with lunch, and then it's a bunch of coworkers sitting down to have lunch, so oops. <laughs> As of April 1985, their relationship was falling apart again, and on April 22nd, Linda worked her normal shift. At 2.16 a.m., she clocked off and then went straight home to sleep on the couch. The following morning, things were off at the house when Linda wasn't awake to take Patty to school like she normally would or even tell her that she loved her. In fact, Patty said it was strange because she was still 
fast asleep facing the back of the couch. Don ended up taking Patty to school before going to work and leaving his wife sleeping on the couch. Around 6 p.m., Don returned home from work to find an angry Linda rushing out the door for work because she had overslept. But she had never made it to work that evening. Linda's older sister, Fran, said that her her and Linda spoke on the phone almost every night and she had, hadn't gotten a phone call since April 22nd. When Fran and her husband, Sam, found out that Linda didn't show up for work the same night, it, was, it sparked red flags. They knew she, had, she was in the process of leaving Dawn and had also placed a change of address with the post office so her mail would, would go to their house. Okay, so wait. She, how do you oversleep if you were asleep at 6 a.m. and you didn't have to be at work till 6 p.m.? Technically, she would have been asleep at three or four. No, I get that, but there's proof she was asleep at six a.m. Yes, from her daughter. Right. Yeah, that that's but an extreme amount of time. That's twelve hours. And what time did he get off work and come home? It said he got home at six p.m. And that she was running around frantic because she where had was overslept. overslept. No idea. I'm assuming at her grandparents. would have been out of school by that point. She might have been at her grandparents' house. And oh, it's, if they both had to work. Right. Yeah, that's really weird. All right. Big can... part of what we don't understand. Okay, go on. Webb, the lead investigator on Linda's case, said the missing persons report seemed off. As Linda's whole family because there was no way Linda would leave and not take Patty with her. Yeah, because every time she's left him before, she's taken Patty. She's never left Patty behind. Right, because that's her kid, and she loves her. When talking to the police, Dawn said there was an overnight bag packed and things were missing from the house. But unlike the other two times, she didn't take Patty with her. With every passing day, Fran and Sam were getting more worried and even offered a $1,000 reward for any information about Linda's whereabouts. Four days after Linda went missing, Sam was laying in bed thinking about a story of a musician, a musician's car turning up at Lambert Airport recently. They, had, they hadn't checked there, so he woke up Fran to go look right then. So the, he was like, oh, well, maybe she went to the airport and we haven't checked the airport. Right. Maybe her car's there. We okay. don't know. As they came around the first turn of short-term parking, they were shocked to see Linda's car sitting there. They immediately called the airport police to search the trunk, scared of what they might find. But when they opened it, there was no trace of Linda. So after that, Fran and Sam met with Webb. He found out that the airport kept records of any car parked there for more than 24 hours. This told Webb her car had been parked there for been parked there on April 24th, two days after she went missing. So somebody else put her car there. Somebody else, yeah. He did the only thing he could do at this point and look for her name on flight list for the 24th, but came up empty-handed. No Linda Sherman on the list. As her disappearance came to the week mark, Don reported seeing her in a van with someone else. He said he tried to catch up to the van to get the license plate number, but couldn't. I call bullshit. I think it's a cover also. 
Yeah, like you just miraculously saw her driving down the street in a and van. You couldn't catch up, and to you them. couldn't catch up to them. Yeah, bullshit. Police followed dozens of leads, but nothing ever came of them. They even checked out the male coworker of Linda's. Don claimed she was having an affair with, but his alibi cleared him, so he was never a suspect. With nothing else to go on after months. On July 15th, 1985, they turned to the public for help. They even added in the family's concerns of foul play. Still, nothing ever came of it. With no more information, they ran into a dead end. While Linda's friends and family sat worrying about her, Don was trying to move on with his life. He even filed a cross-petition for divorce a year later, saying that Linda abandoned him and Patty. Don's lawyers, Don's lawyer, Frank, was a prominent defense attorney which had been the Sherman's lawyer ever since he was the public defender for Don's mother in 1974. When she shot Don's father in the family kitchen, his mother even tried to cover it up saying she was asleep when it happened, but the police found the gun he had been killed with in the heating duct. Okay, so wait. His mom killed his dad? Yes. They were both drunk, and it was a fit of rage. So he comes from a family. Yep. Okay. Oh, a family? Yeah, a whole a family. family. <laughs> a whole family. He has a whole family. Where do I come? Do I come from a family? <laughs> so Not Don's, that kind of family. <laughs> so Don's mom shoots Don's dad, hides the gun in a heating duct. It all gets found out. They end up with this lawyer, and he becomes the family lawyer at that point? Yes. It's kind yeah. of a roundabout way to find a family lawyer, but okay. Every legal thing they've done has gone through this lawyer, apparently. Did she ever go to prison? She only served six months in county jail on manslaughter charges. The fuck? She probably played the self-defense card. But like I said... It even said that they were drunk and yeah, got into but a fight. She's, yeah, she played self-defense. I don't know. That is what it is. Just noting it. Don claims, like his mother, he turned to drinking to cope with what happened to his wife. His favorite place to do so was the Casa Gal Galrado. Bear with me on that. In June 1989, the judge dismissed Don's divorce case, leaving the Shermans legally married on June 28, 1990, a year after the marriage was kept intact. A skull was found at the Casa Galrado by two flight attendants. It was just sitting in the bushes. Don, a regular there, said he had no clue it was there or who it belonged to, but had been in the restaurant when it had been found. Okay, so wait. So he applied for a divorce, was denied because she was a missing persons case and never right. found. Exactly. And then a year later, a uh, skull is yeah. found outside of the restaurant that he frequents to get drunk to in. get drunk at. Right. And no And he was there. He was there when it was found. This seems a little bit beyond coincidence. Right. 
Is it, and it's her skull? We're going to find out. The Bridgeton police had no idea who it belonged to either. So the skull was found in, what, 1990? On September 6, 1991, the police got a letter inside. They got a letter. Inside was an eight-month-old flyer from the Casa Colorado. On one side of the flyer, a stamp... On one side of the flyer, there was a stamp that said, The Bridgeton police have L. Sherman's head, skull. So, somebody anonymously sent them a flyer from the restaurant and had stamped it onto the back. The Bridgeton police have L. Sherman's skull. And that was a year after the skull was found. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. No. Almost. It, it was a little oh. over a year. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. So... They were then just we're going in one-year this... increments here. It's he gets denied for the divorce. A year later, the skull show up, or skull shows up. Then a year after that, they get a letter. A letter saying, "Hey, that skull you found, that's that belongs to a one L Sherman." Pretty much, and I'll give you just a little backstory on that. So when they found the skull, they put it in evidence. Well, they didn't. They took it to the morgue, and that's where it stayed for this whole year. So no one knew that the skull was even found. They never tested it. It just sat there for a year. So you just find a skull, and you're like, meh, who cares? Let's just take it to the morgue. They thought that someone had played a prank on them because they were relocating cemeteries at the time around that area, which is still like, okay, but... Shouldn't we figure out who it actually belongs to? Yeah, so you can put it into the grave. Yeah. Of the, or right. they thought it was a fake skull. I, no, they thought it was real. They, they just, just thought it came from the cemetery. Yeah, that they were really relocating. Let's just leave it at a morgue for a year. In limbo, yeah. Webb went to the Bridgeton police with Linda's dental records to see if the skull was possibly hers. And sure enough, it was Linda's skull. Now that we know for a fact that it's Linda's skull, my Biggest theory is that Don actually planted it there to get the divorce he wanted. Well, yeah. Like, he just threw it in the bushes on his way in one day to get a drink. So, after it was confirmed that it was her, how soon after that did he file for a divorce again? Well, at that point, he's a a widower, so he doesn't have to. Yeah, once they find her skull and they say it's her and that they pronounce her dead... Then he no longer oh. has to worry about a divorce because now he's a widow. Did he remarry after he became a widower or whatever? Yes. I don't know how long after, though. Okay. Well, I mean, it's in here, but I, right. off the top of my head, don't know. Now, Webb was left wondering who wrote the letter, why they wanted the police to find out who it belonged to, and why the Casa Gal- Galrado Flyer. What really bothered him most was whoever killed her had returned to the place they had buried her just to dig the skull up and put it at the restaurant. He wanted to know where the rest of the body was. So now, now that it flipped from missing person to homicide, Webb was more invested. Well, I'm gonna say... Don dug up the body, took the skull to the restaurant because he needed her to be pronounced dead so that he no longer had to be married to her. So he could live on with his life. Right. 
and um, he sent the flyer because when he put the skull out there, they didn't, you know, test it, test it. So it didn't work out to his advantage. Okay, just real quick side note. I I grew up in this area and I've never heard of that restaurant, but I had heard of a different restaurant that was similar. And I looked it up. Casa Gallardo. There you go. Well, thank you for the proper pronunciation. It's going to happen only if Bobby says it. (laughs) (laughs) Webb re-interviewed everyone, but it had been five years, so the trail was already cold. He then found an archaeologist that studied the soil and a botanist that could look at the plants that had grown on the skull. Webb shipped it to the University of Columbia in Missouri, but the tets- the test came back with very little information to help find the rest of her, though. Thirteen years later, Webb attended a conference where he learned they had made advancements on soil testing. A college professor, in- a college professor, and an FBI agent gave him hope. They told him that with little amounts of soil on her skull, the little oh my goodness. They told him that the, the little amounts of soil on her skull could lead them to the rest of her body. August 19th, 1999, they exhumed Linda's skull and shipped it to Mercyhurst College in Erie, Pennsylvania. Nothing would ever come from that test, though. Don remarried in 1994. By 19... 19- By 1999, he had a six-year-old daughter. He also remained the only suspect suspect in Linda's murder investigation. I would like to point out that Patty does believe that her body is under a parking garage somewhere in Bridgeton. Wait a minute. Are you saying that her body has, to this day, yet to be found? It hasn't been found. And Patty really does believe that it's under a parking garage. So oh, what is a parking garage now? Yeah. So which wasn't he like? Isn't a machinist like? Don't they do like construction and shit like that? They no, they tool parts for different things. A machinist basically, because I worked in a machine shop briefly. There's a bunch of different machines that will basically make parts for. Tools, cars, whatever. Okay. You just get little, you know, billets of metals and run them through whatever machines to get precision parts. So why does she think her body is under a parking garage? That much I don't know. It's just in an interview, that's what she said. She thinks that it was um, under a specific parking garage. I think they did like, you know, those like um, x-ray yeah, those or ground, the x-rays. ground x-rays. And they actually found something under there, but it was too expensive to dig it up. You're talking about GPR, ground penetrating radar. There you go. Yeah. They did that under this specific, it, she never said which one, but this specific parking garage, and they saw something under there, but again, super expensive. Yeah, and usually with things like that, they don't dig up a million dollar parking garage to find what may or may not be a body because just because they saw an object that resembles a body doesn't mean that it's actually a body. A body. Right. But for anyone that lives around Bridgeton, Missouri, think about that anytime you park in a parking garage. 
I'd rather not. Yeah, I'd rather not to. Well, I mean... I don't really go to Bridgeton, so... Maybe someone out there might know some information about it. Maybe. Yeah, it all sounds very suspicious. Like, he's literally the only person that could have anything to do with it. Yeah, he's... Yeah, and I feel like that day that Patty thinks she saw her still sleeping on the couch that she was already dead because she was facing the back of the couch. Yeah, and if it was normal for her to wake up every single morning and get her ready for school. Yeah, and take her to school. Especially if she didn't have to work until 6 p.m. Then Yeah, because she worked overnights. Then I don't see why she wouldn't have done that that morning. Yeah. That would make no sense. There is also, I didn't include it either because I... I took the information that I got from sources, like multiple sources that all said the same thing. But in one source, which I don't know, don't don't come for me, what source it is. I don't know what source it is, but it said that when Patty got home or when Linda got home that night, her and Don argued up until like five or six o'clock in the morning before she went to bed. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He killed her. He left her laying on the couch, facing the back of the couch. So it looked like she was sleeping. And then made up the whole story about getting, like, her being frantic, leaving the house. Yeah, and packing a bag and all this stuff. Is he still alive? No. That's the reason that I'm saying how I feel, because I know he's no longer with us. Did he pass of, like, what it, natural causes or something? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, uh, that's an interesting one. It's just too far-fetched that her skull shows up at a restaurant that, that he, he goes frequents. to constantly, and he's even there the day it happens. Right, her show, her skull shows up. In bushes. Randomly in a bush outside of a restaurant that he frequently gets drunk at is very oddly coincidental. Yeah. Especially... It happens immediately after he gets denied for a divorce because she's still a missing persons case. Yeah, because that's also very oddly coincidental. A year isn't a year really isn't a long time. It's not. So to get denied for a divorce and then a year, almost it was what he got denied in June. They found it in September. That's not that far apart. No, because he probably sat there for that whole year on what to do and how to make at least part of her body be found so they would know she was dead. Yeah, he was trying to figure out how do I make myself become a widower because he knew without getting caught she wasn't actually a missing persons case. Hence why he didn't really help her family try to look for her. And then for the the. like the flyer of the restaurant to be sent to the police station with a stamp instead of handwritten. handwritten. Yeah, looks suspicious. Definitely. Again, this is all our speculation. We have no idea. Well, it's all incredibly coincidental. It is really coincidental. I'm just saying we are not detectives or police. I think, you know, if you show up at an event and you're wearing the same clothes as someone else like that's a coincidence 
if your wife goes missing and her skull shows up at the restaurant that you're at regularly <laughs> and it happens to conveniently prove the fact that she's dead so you can skip the whole divorce process and then move on with your life. I don't think that's a coincidence. That's, that's not in the same category <laughs> as not coincidence in my eyes. I think that's a little more convenience than coincidence. Yeah, it's incredibly convenient. And yeah, it just I wonder if mm. he actually caught wind of the final divorce that she had filed. Oh, I bet you he, he had, did. I know he hadn't been served yet, but I'm wondering if he like caught wind like overhearing a conversation between her and her sister or something cuz her sister knew about it obviously yeah, because she was having her mail sent there. Or if on the day of her quote unquote disappearance that's what they might have been fighting about between 3 and 6 a.m. Yeah. She got sick of whatever. He pissed her off. She's like, this is why I'm divorcing your ass and blah, blah, blah. And then a three-hour long fight ensued. Would not shock and me then, at all. And again, just speculation. In the middle of that fight, he strangled her because that would be a way of killing right. her and making her look like she was sleeping especially when their if he, daughter found especially her. if he faced her towards the back of the couch you wouldn't be you able wouldn't to be tell. able to see that she was strangled i mean speculation not it doesn't sound too far-fetched no not at all all right well there's the story of linda if you have at all between these time periods heard through the grapevine of something, call the Bridgeton police and give them a tip. Bridgeton, Missouri. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Good old misery. All right. So if you like that story, let us know. Hop on whatever podcast app you're using, iTunes, Spotify. You can do ratings now. Give us five stars. Share it with your friends. Leave a comment. If uh, you have a case you'd like to hear, you know, you can send suggestions over to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. If you want to see any of the associated pictures, uh, check our Instagram at missingmurderedhaunted. And you can find us on Facebook too, Missing Murdered Haunted Podcast. Anyone have anything they want to add in? Nope. No. Um, I do link the episode on Facebook to the Spotify. So if you go to our Facebook page, you can just click on it and it'll take you to Spotify. Sweet. There you go. Nice. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.